From time to time, we have other pastors share from the Word of God at Living Truth Christian Fellowship. And today we have the privilege of hearing Pastor Chris Van Hook. Pastor Chris is heard on the Bible Answer Show. He is a great teacher, writes devotions and books. And today he's sharing the message from the Word of God. Here is Pastor Chris Van Hook. Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Titus 2, verse 3. He says, Likewise, in the same way as you would share with older men, that's what he means, likewise, Titus, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live. Okay, older women, there is no way I'm going there. No. <laughs> Not happening. <laughs> Again, the scholars would say they believe that this refers to women who are, are done really raising their children. Um, again, we don't know that. And it's not their specific, and I think it's good that it's not, because we need to look at ourselves and say, if the Cretan shoe fits, that's up to you. So the first quality that we see here, this is interesting. The first word that's used here is reverent. Reverent. Now, when we think of reverence, I think sometimes we have a mistaken idea of reverence. It seems to be that we think reverence is all about being very stoic, very quiet, and even sometimes ritualistic in our, in our worship, that that's real reverence toward the Lord. Well, I, I certainly believe that there is a time and place for very quiet worship, for, for a little bit being stoic and reflective, but that's really not what this word means. It's interesting, the word here is hieroprepeus in Greek. And it's only used this very time in the New Testament. It's a combination of words, hieros, which means sacred. And we know sacred means set apart to God. So hieros, set apart to God. And prepo is the other um, half of the word. And it means be conspicuous. So let's put that together. Now, sometimes you put two Greek words together and it doesn't work right. But in this particular case, it works absolutely perfectly to describe the meaning Sacred, set apart, and be conspicuous about it. That's what it means to have reverence. In other words, you want to live in a way that's set apart to God, and it should be in a way that other people can actually see it. It's not to be hidden away. It's a life of being set apart to God that when you walk around, people will look at you and go, this is a person who who lives their life for God. That's what this reverence means here. 1 Timothy 2.9 2, says this, I also want women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, not with braided hair or gold or pearls. And by the way, this doesn't mean you can't wear jewelry or makeup or any of this other stuff. It's a comparison. Verse 10, but instead of that being your mindset, your mindset should be verse 10, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. It's a comparison. It's not that you can't dress up. It's not. You, I hope you do, and I hope you look nice. But I hope even more that your reverence is shown in your good deeds appropriate for one who professes to worship God. Well, next, he says to these older women, 
not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but teach what is good. Wow. We see some pretty, pretty harsh stuff here. The word here for slanderers is diabolos. Diabolos. We get the word diablo. What does it stand for? The devil. This word for slanderers is the very word used to describe who Satan actually is. It means false accusers. Now, I really want you, and and women, but I want everyone in here to take this seriously. Don't take this lightly. It's a sin that we don't like to acknowledge when we talk about sins. We usually talk about these things that we can see very easily and quickly, right? Oh, you do this, you do that. But slander is one where you may not be very visible with it. It may be just in your own mind or in your own family or with a close friend that you are falsely accusing someone, that you are slandering their name. And we tend to not think much about that particular sin, but it's the same word used for the devil. I think we need to think about it. So do not be slanderers, he says to the older women, and that's what Titus is to teach. Now, the next part of that, he says, don't be addicted to much wine. So we see that this was a problem not just for the men, but for the women as well. Now, the scholars uh, point out that in this particular society, in Roman society, and it may have been worse on Crete, but in Roman society, women were treated really poorly. And they were neglected. The, the, the husband of a, of a wife in Roman society may spend most of their time away from the home, oftentimes visiting the temple prostitutes and doing their religious ceremony. There, now put yourself in, in that woman's place. You can see it might be hard uh, to live under that situation. And so it seems like what happened is that many of them took to drinking excessively to deal with what they were going through. Now remember that the habits that these people had on Crete you know, for most of them, it was carryover from their quote-unquote B.C. days. We like to use that term a lot, right? We say that, yeah, I used to do that, but that was in my B.C., before Christ days. And hopefully it isn't after, but many of us struggle with a lot of this after as well, if we're honest. So these were habits that carried over even after they uh, became Christians in this society, in this culture. And that's why they needed to be addressed. But I want you to look at the positive part of this. Look what the verse says happens when a woman chooses to live the reverent way rather than the other way. It says that she can teach what is good. She can teach what is good. Why why does he say that? Well, think about it. A woman who lives in a reverent way is going to have credibility as she teaches that which is good, right? People are going to listen. If she's set apart to God and people can see it. <coughs> Excuse me. I mean, let's face it. Do any of us really want to listen to someone who's preaching to us and preaching to us and preaching to us, and we see their lives and their lives demonstrates exactly the opposite of what it is they're preaching to us? Right? And that starts when we're kids, you know. When we're young and we see our parents and they say, now, I don't want you to do this. And you go, well, you do it. Yes, but I'm an adult. Yeah, but you do it. We don't want to listen to someone who doesn't set the example for us. And Paul is telling Titus, you must teach women to be this example so there's a purpose for it, so they can teach what is good and have credibility. And 
it's really important. It says to teach what is good. So ladies, I want you to pay close attention here, and I don't want you to miss what Paul is telling Titus to teach here. There's some very specific things that he lists here. And I would say that there are things that are much, much, much needed in our culture today and instead are much neglected in our culture today. Let's look at verse 4. It says, Then they can train, and this is the word sophronizo, again it means sound mind, so in other words, bring to sound mind the younger women to do two things, it says right here, to love their husbands and children. Now, this may seem weird because you go, well, of course. I mean, that's natural. I'm going to love my husband and my, and my children. But that may not have been so true on Crete at the time. And it's not always true here in America today either. If you read the news, you know that that's true. What's interesting here is as, as Paul is beginning to share, look, ladies, if you're married, this is your first calling. It's to love your husband and your children. The word love here is not the one we normally think of. It's not the agape love. It's not that selfless um, love that's spoken about in 1 Corinthians 13. It's actually philandrous, which comes from phileo, which is really the brotherly love or just affectionate love in Greek. So what he's really saying here, teach a younger woman to be affectionate to their husband's and their children. That may not come as naturally for some as, as others. But notice here, this is important, notice that he says to train them in that, that means it's a learned behavior. It can be learned. It may come naturally, but if it doesn't come naturally, ladies, Paul tells Timothy right here to teach them to train in that. That means it can be learned. And you know, this was really important, especially in, in that particular day and age, because a lot of marriages were still being arranged. They were being arranged by the families, uh, especially in Jewish culture. So think about that. You married someone you didn't love. You certainly would have to learn how in order for that marriage to survive. So what else does he say to the, to the older women here, to teach the older women? Verse 5 says again to be self-controlled, that same word showing up again. Boy, I think if you haven't written that down yet, you need to write that down. It means to be, again, of sound mind. Teach them to be of sound mind, self-controlled, and pure. And that word pure in the Greek, if you translate it literally, might mean innocent or modest. That might be another way that you would do it. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the last one here. And it says to be busy at home. Uh-oh. Touchy subject here. So... I'm 99% sure that I will offend someone here today. Because the question that always comes up, does this mean that I as a wife and mom must stay home with my husband and my kids and not work? And that is a touchy subject today because culturally what's being taught to women today and also just sometimes economically. And so in the church it can be a touchy subject. It really shouldn't be. So let me ask you, does that verse say that the wife must stay at home 24-7 and, and not work? It doesn't say that, does it? What it does say is that you need to be busy at home. And that tells us something, ladies, that's really, really important. And that is this. What you do at home is so important. 
Now, some would look at this and say, no, 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 this is just a cultural situation here. You know, in Crete and in the Roman culture, you know, women just didn't have any opportunity outside the home. And so this was just speaking culturally, and we can kind of check this one off the list. Well, I'm telling you, if you check this one off the list, you might as well check the rest of them off the list too. Okay? Because there's no indication here that Paul is speaking any differently to this group as any other group there. And these letters applied not just to those particular individuals, but to all in the church. So let's not look at it that way. Let's look and find out what it really wants to teach us. Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael Lance, and this is Living Truth Radio, and we'll be back to the teaching in a moment. I want to tell you about a special offer that we have available at Living Truth Radio. It's a book that I've written called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It's all about spiritual warfare. It's all about how to overcome temptation, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And it's a special offer. Go to our website, livingtruthradio.org. Click on the donate button. And for any donation, we will send you a copy of that book. Just let us know in the contact form that you'd like a copy of that book. And now, back to the teaching. Um, There's a bigger principle that we need to learn here. And it doesn't say that you can't work outside the home. And biblically, there is not a mandate to not work outside the home. There's not a mandate. There may be some principles that we need to look at when we make those decisions. And we're not here to put legalistic burdens on families here. I want you to be clear with that. But even secular psychological research would tell you that raising children who are healthy and well-adjusted, and, and it, you know, America today, they hate the fact that even secular psychologists agree with this, involves having a father and mother, and that having uh, nurturing from mother at home is huge in well-adjusted children. That's just the truth. Again, not trying to put any guilt trips on anyone here. You see, I want you to know, ladies, and I want you to know this from the bottom of my heart, there's an element that you bring to the home that a father, husband cannot bring to the home. God has made you in a unique way, just as he has made the man in a unique way. And there's things that each one brings to the home that no one else can do. And I believe that the the real implication of this word being busy or working at home is this. It's for you as, as wife and mom to keep a good and nurturing environment in the home. Uh, an environment to where your family will flourish. And can I say that and say that this is biblical? I think if you looked at Proverbs 31, and I'm not going to have you turn there because it's very long, but I would encourage everyone, every wife, every mom, every woman to read this and then don't guilt yourself over the fact that you're not this person because I don't know any women that are, okay? This is an amazing proverb here. But I'm just going to share a few things from here. Verse 17 of Proverbs 31 says about, and this is called the wife of noble character. It says she sets about her work vigorously. And it says in 18, her lamp does not go out at night. And I know some of you moms are going, yeah, I know that one. Everybody else is asleep. I'm still up doing stuff. And and that's often true. Verse 25 says she's clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. I think that's because she's like, okay, when those kids are out here. (laughs) 
Verse 26, she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. You see, it's not all just about I am the slave of the home. It doesn't really mean that at all. I would hope that you ladies are good delegators because that's going to help your home to flourish. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. She works at home. Her children arise and call her blessed, not always when they're little. Hopefully it's going to happen later. And her husband also, and he praises her. And you husbands, when you have a wife like that, you better be praising her. You could go on and on here again. I suggest that you take some time to read that. But that's the evidence that there is a biblical model, there is a biblical principle for wives and moms at home. It's such an important task. Again, we're not saying you can't work outside. In fact, if you read that proverb, you'll see that this, this woman did all kinds of work outside the home. All kinds of work. I don't know how she did it. We would call her super mom today. But the principle here in this particular chapter is to be busy at home. And I believe being busy, helping that home to flourish. And that's going to look different in every household. No two households are going to look exactly alike. Don't compare yourself to anyone. Just look at what the Bible says. And if the Cretan shoe fits, let's, let's wear it. Now, part of the way that this is going to happen is in the next two instructions. So two things that you would do to help this happen in the home is this. It says to be kind and to be subject to their husbands. In other words, part of the way your home's going to flourish is that you're to be kind and to be subject to your husbands. The word kindness is an active word. Kindness, especially when you look at it in, in 1 Corinthians 13, it's a word of action. It's not just, you know, I'm nice, that's part of it, but I actually do things that show how nice I really am. It's, a, it's an active word. Kindness is active. And then the last one, of course, is being subject to husbands. And I'm not going to go through a great extensive uh, period of time on that. But um, being subject to our husbands, Ephesians 5, that's what we're taught. That is the order of things in the home. It means allow your husband to be the spiritual leader in the home. That's what it really means. Allow your husband to be the spiritual leader. And I know some of you are going, but he won't do it. And I know that's true. And some of you men need to step it up. And then the men come back and go, she won't let me do it. <laughs> Ladies, you need to listen to that. He doesn't do it the way I would. That's right. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and praise the Lord that you don't always do it the way he does. That's why God puts us together. What does the Bible say in Genesis, ladies, that your role is to be? I know you all know this. It's to be a helpmate. It says that your husband, who was given the task in the garden, is the task-oriented person, and you're to be the helpmate in that family. It has nothing to do with equality. It has to do with the role that's played, and it's an important role. Both roles are equally important. And ladies, I'm sorry, but if you don't like that, you're going to have to take it up with God, not me. I didn't invent it. He did. Now look, as practical as Paul is, and I love this. He doesn't just give you all these instructions and leave you there. He gives you the motivation, the purpose of why you should do this, the biblical reason. Why do I have to be this way? I don't want to be this way. Why do I have to? Well, he gives you the reason. And it's not because it's the popular thing to do, because in today's society, these things aren't popular. And it's not even for your own self-satisfaction. 
to go, well, I, yeah, I do that. You know? <laughs> Pretty good. No. And it's not so you can go around looking spiritual to everyone else. No, he says very specifically, if you look here at the end of the verse, he says it's so that no one will malign the Word of God. That's a purpose and motivation. It's so that no one will look at the Word of God and then look at you as a Christian and say, I don't want anything to do with that. Why would I want to do that? What hypocrisy we see there. It's so that no one can malign the Word of God, but instead the Word of God will be proven to other people as worthy and, and valuable and true because it affects your life and the way you live. Okay, next group coming up here. Young men. Who are the young men? The scholars that I have studied here, uh, there's quite a bit of an agreement on this. A young man, they don't say when it switches to be for sure the older man, but a young man starts one day after 13 years old in that culture in that this was written in. Isn't that interesting? Now, I don't know if that would have been true in Roman culture so much, but certainly in Jewish culture because they have a ceremony to designate that. What's that called? Bar mitzvah. That's right. You're recognized. You're old enough at 13 years and one day to comment on the scriptures. How interesting is that? Some of you guys in your family devotions having your 13-year-old commenting on the scriptures to you. But that's what it was. And so they say that began there. And so verse 6 of our text says this, Similarly, encourage the young men, the young men now, to be self-controlled. Well, now he's used that word again, and I think we all know that if you're 13 years old in one day, this is going to be pretty important, isn't it? Not too many 13-year-olds are all that self-controlled. They may have been more in that culture. But again, being of sound mind is what he's really talking about here. Thinking clearly. Encourage the young men, Titus. To do this. Then verse 7, this is important. He says, In everything, you, Titus, in everything, set them an example by doing what is good. Now, in a certain way, Titus couldn't really set the example for the older men because he was so much younger than most of them. Yeah, I mean, you still can, but, but not in the same way that Titus could to the younger men because he was closer to their age. And I want you to think about this. You know, it's one thing for your young people, and if there's young people in here, I hope you're listening to this as well. It's one thing to be instructed by an older person. And how many of you are instructing your youngsters, and what you're getting is this? Right? If not physically, at least in their mind, you see that going, right? Why? Well, because we're all that way. It's like you don't understand anymore. You're too old to get it. You know, in my day, it was you're over 30, you're over the hill. Oh, my gosh. Imagine that. But a younger person, a younger person, especially for a young man, to have an example of a peer doing the things that are spoken about in the Bible has tremendous, tremendous impact on a young person. You know, they act like their parents are supposed to do this, but man, this guy, he, why isn't he wild and crazy like me? You see, it has a tremendous impact, and I would say especially on a young man. I think you can see, you know, I just throw, throw out an example, a young man like Tim Tebow. The impact he is having on 
young men. He's having an impact on everybody, but especially on young men who look at this guy and go, what a tremendous person this is. And, and he's having a great impact for the gospel with other young men. And he says this now to Titus next. He says, in your teaching, so be an example, but in your teaching now, show integrity. Uh, the New American Standard says purity in doctrine. I like that. Show integrity in what it is that you're teaching. The Greek word means not corrupt. So what he's saying is, Titus, don't corrupt the word of God. Teach it the way it's meant to be taught. Teach what it says, not what you want to give an opinion on. Not in a self-serving way to, to gain popularity or have people all you know, think you're the greatest speaker in the world or to gain wealth or power as we see oftentimes the Word of God being used for today. Amen? No, he says, don't corrupt the Word of God. Teach it with integrity and purity. What's one of the first things that you would do? I'm going to throw you this pitch to determine where you would go to church. In 2003, I was out looking for a church to bring my family to. I had previously uh, fellowshiped in another county, but I wanted to be more accountable closer to home. So I went out through churches in my immediate area, and I wanted to find out information on them. And unfortunately, the pastors were not available, so I acquired recordings of their teachings. And I felt led to contact this one church that I had driven by. Unfortunately, nobody was there at the time, but I did take the phone number and I called up the church office and left a message that I would like to speak to the pastor. And as I mentioned, I wanted to interview the pastor because I did not want to drag my family Sunday to Sunday to different places to see if they could accommodate for sound teaching and in, in, for myself and my family. And I happened to talk to you and I, I, kind of embarrassingly say, but I'm also proud to say that I interviewed you, your teaching, and how you stood as a pastor. And I guess you can say you must have passed the audition because I'm still here with you. I can't believe you're here 14 <laughs> years later. <laughs> Through thick and thin, Oscar. I can't believe you still have me working with you. <laughs> so, but that's, that's, a, that's a concept that, if you think about it, you measured your decision based upon the soundness of the teaching. Yes. Now, there's other factors with churches, right? You look at worship, you look at, you know, maybe what they have for your teenager, dot, dot, dot. We all realize that. But your number one measurement was you were looking for sound doctrine. Yes. Because why bother go? Thank you for listening to today's broadcast. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry, and we have an opportunity to expand our reach. We exist to build up believers and reach out with the gospel to others. And we need you, our listening family, to partner with us in prayer and in giving in order to do that. You can give in a couple different ways. One way is to go online to livingtruthradio.org, or you can send in your offering to Living Truth Christian Fellowship, 1009 Arsenal Way, Corona, California, 92. Eight eight zero. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.